0: Governor J.B. Pritzker travels to Scotland to tout Illinois' climate actions. The state Supreme Court is weighing a case involving the ride-hailing service Lyft. And a federal court in Chicago is getting ready to hear arguments in the state's legislative redistricting plan. We'll talk about all that today on this edition of CapitalCast. Cast. Hello, and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock, and I'm here again with our Statehouse Bureau Chief, Jerry Nowicki. Governor Pritzker made his first official overseas trip as governor this week, traveling first to London to tout the state's electric vehicle industry, and then to Scotland to take part with other governors in the U.N. climate conference known as COP26, There, he talked up the recently enacted energy bill in Illinois. Let's listen to a little bit of what he had to say in Glasgow.
1: Climate change is a crisis that requires action now. Uh, But it's also an opportunity, a chance to develop technologies and to create jobs and diversify our economies and to lift up traditionally overburdened communities. Uh, We have to enact policies that incentivize green technologies, train workers for the new jobs in the new fields that we're creating, uh, build equity into these new industries with intentionality, and support the transition away from fossil fuels. I'm here to say that Illinois is taking its place alongside many of you uh, and alongside the states that are represented here today. Uh, to address the climate crisis, and to seize the opportunities that are commensurate with this moment.
0: So, Jerry, uh, we don't often hear about governors getting involved in international affairs. Uh, What was he trying to accomplish in Glasgow?
2: Yeah, it was as much a sort of effort to sell Illinois' electric vehicle industry as it was to get ideas and have discussions about where we are in terms of fighting uh, carbon emissions and the global climate change that's causing and the severe weather events and whatnot. So I spoke to Deputy Governor Christian Mitchell about that visit and a number of other things uh today for a story i'm working on and you know he said governor pritzker was the only midwest governor in attendance uh people took notice of that fact Um, illinois being the really the first midwest state to uh announce the zero carbon target by 2045 so they spoke to business leaders they spoke to other governors uh other governments he noted that the uh, they, the Illinois delegation had had discussions with the environmental minister of Quebec, uh, and he said there's a lot of interest in Illinois. You know, you'd expect him to say that after you know, going out overseas to, to make those efforts, but it, it, we'll watch uh, to see where we go as we implement the incentives recently passed and, and the law uh, that aims to get a million electric vehicles on roads uh, in the next decade.
0: So let's talk a little bit about electric vehicles. Uh, That energy bill, uh, which they came back and did a tweet to during the veto veto session, uh, includes, I think, a $4,000 rebate for people who buy a new electric vehicle. Uh, What else is going on in that industry?
2: Yeah, so the the veto session action was really sort of a separate process. standalone incentives package that uh, has some payroll tax incentives and other uh, sort of subsidies for training costs for workers that not only produce electric vehicles, um, but the parts, the batteries that run them and, and the other, you know, supply
0: and the charging stations.
2: Yeah, the charging stations were in the original energy bill. That wasn't in the incentives package that passed uh, in the veto session. But there's potential uh, in the energy bill there was up to 80% uh, cost rebates for installing energy uh, or the charging stations. And some of the specifics of that will have to be defined in the rulemaking process. But it's really just an effort to lure business here. And, and the governor had said uh, in that UN meeting that we'll, if we really want to get this done, we have to really tout the job side of it. It can't just be a climate push. We have to let people know why this is good for Illinois as an investment. Uh, not only for the climate aspect of it.
0: You know, I thought it was interesting, one of the other governors who was at that conference, maybe Governor Inslee of Washington, uh, was saying that around the world, its states and provinces uh, are moving faster on climate uh, mitigation than nation states are. And maybe it's because state governments or local governments are easier to move uh, in a short period of time than national governments
2: yeah and you see here in in the United States of course we have our sort of pockets of conservative areas pockets of progressive areas so you know it's the progressive states are moving forward uh, whereas the conservative states you might see a little bit more pushback to that type of action
0: so what's next the uh, Pritzker said, talked about how there's still a lot more left to do. Uh, what's coming around the corner that we haven't seen already?
2: Yeah, one of the things on this front is really the implementation of the major bills that, that passed, because if you botch that, they're not really doing what they plan to do. So uh, Deputy Governor Mitchell emphasized today that there's a, uh, they're looking to hire an electric vehicle coordinator to sort of oversee and make sure everyone's moving in the same direction on this. And then uh, they've begun the process of the two major utilities in the state, ComEd and Ameren. Uh, doing, submitting, working on their beneficial electrification plans to make sure the grid can handle the electrification of cars and to make sure investments are being used wisely in the correct areas to really implement the spirit of the, the bills that passed recently.
0: Okay, and meanwhile, uh, in other news, you covered a really fascinating case before the Illinois Supreme Court having to do with whether or not ride-hailing services like Lyft and Uber can be held liable for the actions of their drivers. Uh, Tell us, what first of all, what were the facts behind this case?
2: Yeah, there was a 2017, a woman alleges she was, uh, she hailed a lift after being out drinking and fell asleep in the back of the vehicle, realized uh, she wasn't being taken home when she woke up and then was was raped in an alley, um, was eventually able to escape. So she had sued to, uh, she's hoping to hold Lyft liable for the actions of the driver, but what it comes down to is a 2014 state law passed to regulate the industry that was really unregulated prior to that uh, did not classify Lyft drivers as common carriers, which had it classified them as that, they'd be held to a higher standard and Lyft could be held for the liability liability of that but Lyft is saying this grants them a sort of immunity and the uh jane doe is the plaintiff in the case uh her lawyers are saying you know if if the general assembly wanted to grant that immunity they should have done it outright and explicitly
0: okay and just to be clear common carriers um taxi cab companies are common carriers uh airlines Rail, railroads because they pick up anybody who's willing to pay the fare and get on uh uber and lyft aren't quite like that
2: right so yeah according to illinois state law and that's really the gist of 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 the case to an extent is that uh the jane doe's team is saying that this bill was sort of rushed through the general assembly um there's a couple of constitutionality claims to it that if, if uh, Lyft was, why should Lyft be regulated so differently? That's special, special legislative uh, action by the General Assembly favoring that industry. Um, but, you know, the Attorney General even filed a brief in favor of Lyft saying the General Assembly had a reasonable, uh, rational basis to act on this different regulation. And and that and because they had that rational basis, meaning that Lyft is a completely different industry and you have the information about your driver when you hail that car, um, that, you know, the court would be overreaching if they decided that uh, this is special legislation.
0: And, you know, I do remember 2014 uh, covering the same issue in a different state. Um, and I remember th- these industries came on lightning fast, and nobody seemed to really know what they were. There was a lot of reluctance on the part of policymakers to get in the way of this growing new line of business, but it does operate by a different business model than, say, cab companies. Uh, Cab companies are licensed and regulated by the cities that they operate in. Sometimes there's a taxi commission uh, that, that regulates Uh, Sometimes even the fares, they divide cities up into zones that kind of controls how much you pay for a short ride versus a long ride. Uh, Uber and Lyft, their fares can fluctuate by the hour. I mean, there just is almost no oversight over them. And their drivers are considered independent contractors. They're not considered to be employees of Uber and Lyft. Does that kind of factor in? To this case,
2: that it, it might, but the what was argued before the Supreme Court really uh, boiled down to a narrow interpretation of a specific provision in the 2014 Act. And what's important to note there is that <clears throat> Governor Quinn at the time actually vetoed more stringent regulation of the industries that would have classified them as common carriers. So. Uh, point there being that the General Assembly went back on the final day of the legislative session, and Representative Mike Zaleski at the time said, according to the transcripts, that, you know, this is a half loaf, this isn't what we wanted before, but we got to do something to regulate this industry that's going unregulated right now. And that's what they did, and it didn't classify them as common carriers, and now the Supreme Court's asked to decide whether that was a constitutional process.
0: And we think we'll hear from the court within, I don't know, the next few months or so?
2: Yeah, there's anticipated filing dates, but you never quite know when the court um, will rule on a particularly controversial topic like this.
0: Okay, and the other big story of, of the week, uh, plaintiffs in three different lawsuits challenging the legislative redistricting map uh, that came out of the legislature August 31st and Governor Pritzker signed it into law in September, Uh, they submitted their proposals to a three-judge federal court panel that is uh, being asked to decide on whether or not the plan lawmakers passed was constitutional, and if not, what remedies should be ordered. Uh, It's important. This really doesn't involve the whole state. It has to do primarily with Forming Hispanic districts in the Cook County and Chicago area, as well as one possibly in Aurora, uh, as well as a largely African American district in the Metro East region in East St. Louis. These cases are scheduled to go uh, to kind of a trial, although they haven't decided to call it a trial, Uh, the week of. December 6th that's when the court will hear oral arguments about it and what's interesting is you're really kind of pushing the timeline here Uh, candidates for the legislature who want to run in 2022 uh, have to start circulating petitions in about mid-january and uh, in order to do that you have to know what district you're going to be running from Uh, so we're expecting the court to move fairly quickly on this uh Jared, you've seen this in Illinois a few times is it is it fairly usual for redistricting cases to wind up in a federal court
2: redistricting is a, a process that's always subject to litigation a lot of times it'll go to state court um, but in the in this particular case in federal court I think is somewhat unique to Due to the challenges of the pandemic and the delay to the U.S. census that we saw. Um, But I think what's striking about this case is you have Republicans seeking to redraw what are essentially almost completely Democratic areas. in this, I think you know a little bit more about that than I do. You wrote a very thorough piece, which I direct our readers to at capitalnewsillinois.com but you might want to go into a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, it is kind of interesting. Uh, people like to observe that politics makes strange bedfellows, um, but the Illinois Republican Party and, and the two uh, Republican leaders of the legislature have filed suit. Uh, claiming that, you know, even though the Hispanic population grew uh, significantly from the 2010 to 2020 census, they actually reduced the number of majority Latino districts in the House and the Senate. Uh, The Republican Party, as we heard over the summer at the state fair, has been putting out a renewed push to appeal to the Hispanic community. So this might be, you know, kind of their way of sending the message to the Latino community that the GOP is on your side, too. Uh, And then you have this other really interesting one in the Metro East area where the East St. Louis branch of the NAACP sued because in the redistricting process, they essentially moved a large number of black and presumably Democratic voting Uh, voters out of LaToya Greenwood's district and into, uh, there was a big shift between three districts down there, and they say it was basically designed to protect uh, one state representative, Katie Stewart, who is in a highly competitive district, while at the same time leaving another representative, uh, Jay Hoffman, in a relatively safe Democratic district, but it was all kind of to the expense of Latoya Greenwood. And so they are suing, along with a couple of other civil rights organizations. And I thought what was really interesting is when you read uh, the pleadings of the plaintiffs, they kind of go into great detail. Uh, The Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, MALDEF, uh, talks about the long history of anti-Latino discrimination, in, uh, primarily in Cook County. Uh, and the NAACP and their allies talk about the long history of racial discrimination against blacks in East St. Louis. And it's really kind of a fascinating slice of Illinois history when you get into it. Um, but, you know, redistricting is one of the most rawly political processes that – legislatures go through most of them go through it once every 10 years uh, when new census numbers come out and it's just fascinating to watch it gets very personal i think in a lot of cases Uh, and there are often hard feelings at the end of it that uh, last for quite a while Uh, but we'll see how that comes out oral arguments are set to begin the week of december 6th And we'll be following that as closely as we can. So that will do it for this week's edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation, with significant funding from the Robert McCormick Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki saying stay safe and thank you for listening.